This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Cotton Club crew. This is our recap episode, our Sober Up show. We're also combining it with our grading the game. The reason why is because of the opponent. We're not going to spend too much time wanting to look back. We're going to immediately start wanting to look ahead this week to West Virginia. So we're getting these two done in one and not uh, setting back the show a little bit, doing a recap, then a grading. We're going to start with the grading. We're going to do it a little bit differently this time, as opposed to walking through each position, which takes a good amount of time. Instead, we're going to look at these as high-level grades, and then we're going to step into the game a bit more in detail and highlight some of the bigger areas of either improvement or concern that we've seen, talking about you know your quarterback controversy, the youth of the defense, um, the lack of pass rush, uh, the offensive line, things of that nature that we we saw against Tarleton. But we're going to start on the defensive side of the ball and just quickly give them a grade and talk about their performance overall. It's tough to complain about a three-point showing for the defense against an opponent that was largely, com- largely completely outmatched for this football game. You also recorded three turnovers. Um, Malik Dunlap would get two picks, which seems pretty fitting considering he was robbed. Um, Taylor Demerson would have one as the ball was just thrown right his way. He did a good job getting underneath it and picking it off. Those three interceptions has helped the Red Raiders pitch the near shutout. Joe... It's tough to complain too much about this performance, but we're going to be a bit nitpicky here. What would you grade the defensive effort at? I would grade it at a at a B. I mean, it wasn't great, but I mean, Tarleton State did put up numbers. They did have some wide receivers that made plays. And, you know, a lot of things I wouldn't say necessarily were fully addressed, but I mean, some things did happen in that game that we hadn't seen an abundance of. In the previous two games, you know, the turnovers, the getting to the quarterback and sacking them, um, some big time names that we thought would be contributing right away 
making some plays, having their names called and things like that. And then the abundance of youth that we actually got out on the field, um, as me and you were just speaking before we started recording this, I believe it was like seven, seven to eight um, true freshmen or redshirt freshmen that saw the field and were able to um, contribute on the defensive side of the ball. And that that's huge. That's very, very huge for this team. Um, but, you know, it all kind of got started off there with that Malik Dunlap pick six kind of set the tone early for our defense. And, you know, we we did let them, you know, get let the quarterback get out a handful of times. But, you know, for the most part, our defense played sound. And, you know, it's it's something you could build on. And that's all you really wanted to do in this game. You wanted um, to get your leg up. You wanted to have some positivity. You wanted to have, you know, just a good feeling. I mean, you'd love to have a great feeling going into West Virginia on your defensive performance. But you didn't want to be on a lull, essentially. So the defense did enough. They made the stops when they were um, necessary, made the turnovers, made the crucial sacks, you know, got to the quarterback. I give it a B and a great stepping stone heading into Big 12 play. Yeah, like I said, it's really tough to to find too many areas where you're just like, well, this just wasn't a good game. It needs to be reiterated. The quality of opponent is just poor. Um, this was a high-powered Charlotte State offense, but an offense that had played no one remotely as talented as Texas Tech defensively, and in particular along their offensive line and with regards to the receivers, it was just the kind of match made in a nightmare for them. They just couldn't, they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't protect the quarterback. They couldn't get separation. Um, and when they were able to get separation, the quarterback was largely flushed or running from his, for his life and couldn't put it on target. It, it they were just completely overmatched. It was a good, good to get right game before West Virginia, um, West Virginia, not particularly great offensively. I believe current uh, entry you know, noise has made it seem likely Texas Tech will face their backup quarterback in this in this upcoming game. We'll talk about West Virginia a bit more in detail later in the week. But the point being is you just want the confidence going into this matchup. Morgantown's a tough place to play. It is a very underrated venue in college football just because um, people don't think about the fact that it is both very difficult to travel to Morgantown and a very rowdy fan base on top of that, even in their worst years. Uh, they, they're they loud, they're passionate. I think it's one of those fan bases, maybe they won't sell out this game, but it's going to be loud regardless. And like I said, it is actually just kind of hard for opposing teams to get to Morgantown. You do a lot, spend a lot of time on buses. It's not a pleasant uh, destination to travel to. Not That's not a shot at Morgantown. It's just isolated. There just isn't a lot of infrastructure. I don't believe you can even fly direct from Lubbock. I think you fly in locally and then drive in. So it, it, it's a tough it's a tough place to go play. It always has been in every sport. It's why their basketball team has been so tough at home. It's why their football team has been historically so tough at home. And, you know, Neil Brown is fighting for his life out there. Beating that bad pit team really helped him. So the defense need some confidence because that West Virginia team is going to have a little bit of momentum. And, um, you know, you wanted to see a little bit more pressure with the pass rush. You wanted to see turnovers forced. You wanted to see um, the running game largely controlled. And you wanted to see uh, uh, a team that looked a bit more competent defensively. Not that they've looked bad, but you wanted to see a team that, I mean, in the sense that less communication errors, a team that looked more like it was in the right alignments, things of that nature. And they largely did. 
granted, you're still not getting much from some of the guys you're really counting on. Uh, uh, Steve Linton is just 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 been a non-factor this year. He's just been a complete non-factor. He was he came in with all the hype, all the attention, all of the uh, the NFL scouts weighing in, and he's he he hasn't been. I mean, Joey McGuire, I think said it best. They need more from him. He's been completely non-existent on the field. Miles Cole had a great game uh, with two tackles for loss, two sacks. Um, Jalen Hutchins had a tackle for loss and a half. Tony Bradford had a half tackle for loss. Um, Terrell Tillman and had a sack. I mean, just these you're seeing more pressure against an overmatched opponent. But Steve Linton, this should be a game he should have feasted. And I, I don't even know. Um, I don't even know if he recorded if he if he really was even. I, I, I honestly, I don't know if he made much of an impact at all. Even just a normal, I'm not certain he really was in this game in in any conceivable way that was you know like noticeable. I don't think he records a stat in this game. I don't think he had a tackle or a tackle for loss. So it's just you just have to get more from him um, in particular. And from the defensive line at large, you know, they, they did a better job. Miles Cole coming off the edge. But still, you only recorded three sacks against an FCS team that you easily should have had five to six. There's still the issue with finishing. There's still the issue with containing quarterbacks better. Um, I'm going to give it a B as well. Just because I think that, like, I like what you saw, but it, it it's to be nitpicky. You are still waiting for the pass rush to really show up this year, and it, it just hasn't. It just hasn't. Even against an overmatch FCS opponent, you know, you you are struggling to finish sacks. You are struggling to get the quarterback on the ground. It was a good sign that you were able to do it against a bad offensive line that was just not strong enough to hold you down. But three sacks is not anything to write home about against an FCS opponent. Now we're gonna flip to the offensive side of the ball. There is a lot more to discuss on this side of the ball, particularly at the quarterback position. As we get into our more in-depth recap about what we think areas of concern and all that, we'll talk a lot more about this. But, Joe, just high level, how are you grading out the offense? This is kind of, like, really tough for me. And it's just to your point about, you know, it's an FCS school. We're supposed to be able to do these things. You know, we're supposed to be able to sack. We're supposed to be able just to throw – the ball all over the yard, run all over them, up and down, things like that. That's like things that are supposed to be expected in this kind of game. So with the same kind of sentiment, you know, I gave the defensive side, I'll go ahead and give the offensive side um, a C plus, um, low or a B minus, you know, it could go kind of either way. We were, there was a Taj Brooks sighting and it's so crazy. What's what we're able to do whenever we get him involved. Um, he showed what he's, what he's all about. I mean, and he'd been, he'd been fairly quiet the, the previous two games. I mean, he hadn't touched the ball and by the box score that I'm looking at right here in front of me now, he touched the ball 19 times for 159 yards, um, with a 38 long average of eight and a, almost eight and a half yards per time he touched the ball, you know, that. And that's just stuff that, you know, as a tech fan base, and we've been saying it on the pods before, you have to establish a run. You have to get these guys involved. You have playmakers. So why aren't you utilizing what you have? You know, last week we saw a little bit more of tight end action. We saw some tight end action. Tharp was able to to score again, I believe. Um, and, but, you know, we were able to let, let um, Taj Brooks do his thing. And, and wow, I mean, he lit up the, lit up the, the stat sheet there. Now, if we flip the coin, they're going into our passing. 
that was a relatively mild mild i mean if you're we 18 for 33 between shuck and morton for 195 yards um, three touchdowns and one interception that one interception of morton's there which we'll probably get into later it looked like a miscommunication thing it looked like loic was blocking downfield Clearly, Morton and him were not on the same page, and Morton essentially would have put it up in a position that Lowe could have made a made a play there. But obviously, they those two guys weren't on the same page at all. Um, that's your one um, interception for in our passing department. Um, we our offensive line allowed three sacks. That's still high for an FCS school coming into a Power Five conference kind of team at home and you know sacking your quarterback three times so it's just there's still a lot of questions more more so on the offensive side yeah you get the w yeah you put some points on the board yes we had a rushing attack and that's something that you could kind of hang your hat on going into a hostile morgantown but i mean as far as the passing goes i mean Jordan Brown was our leading receiver with six for 73 with a touchdown. Yes, that's great because of how he finished and ended camp going into the season. He had some high praise from all the coaching staff, but your big guns, your Jared Bradley's four for 40. That's a relatively quiet night by his standards. Miles Price, two for 22 with that one, that one score there. And then everybody else was kind of relatively quiet. Dre McCray, one catch. Xavier White, one catch. Sparkman, one catch. You know, these these guys that were expecting to make some bigger plays, you know, just haven't been showing up on the stat sheet. So that's still a huge, huge question mark. And then that boils down to quarterback play. You know, I was there in attendance. Um, I saw Shuck play. I was actually on the field for the first, the first um, drive of the game. And there were some some people in the stands, some cheerleaders that even understood like, hey, why is this happening to our quarterback? Why isn't he getting rid of the ball? Why isn't he doing this or that? Obviously, there's a lot of questions there. McGuire um, said in a presser that he's standing behind um, Tyler and he's going to be the starting quarterback moving forward. But how long is his leash? We'll get into that here in a little bit, but I'm giving our our offense a B minus C plus on the fringe there. Um, they did enough to beat a, a terrible FCS school because this is what you're supposed to do. But it's there's still still a lot of question marks um, going into Morgantown this upcoming Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to give this the offense overall a C minus, um, and that that sounds harsh because. But the real reason I, I'm giving it to him is outside of the running game, which I want to give a special mention to Neymar Martinez here. Um, he had six carries for 38 yards. He was clearly spelling um, Valdez, who was hurt, and uh, uh, Bryson Donald also came in late and gave you a couple good touches. But you know, Taj Brooks was phenomenal. Neymar T Martinez was back number two. Did a great job in a, a uh, plug-and-play situation for him. But frankly, Tyler Shuck was unacceptable in this game. He was 10 for 20, 123, like you mentioned. QBR of a 16, right? Like, he was ineffective in this game. Really made no impact on it. Uh, I think had maybe one decent throw. And it's just really tough to, to really be to really be high on what the offense is doing when Sh when Shuck is just so ineffective as a quarterback right now. It just isn't okay 
to be uh, 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 in in this position where your starting quarterback against an FCS opponent looked helpless, and he really did look helpless is the how I would describe it, right? Like he couldn't make reads. He couldn't distribute the ball to his playmakers. Passes were thrown poorly. There was no touch on anything. And against a, an opponent where your receivers were largely getting open and getting good separation because they're just so much more athletic. Because that's the thing. I want to highlight those plays where he sits in the pocket for like 10 seconds. There is not a chance in hell no one was open. So the fact that you're starting quarterback and Joey McGuire for hell or high waters riding with him again. I don't know what Joey sees in this, and we'll talk about it more in a minute. But the re- he, your quarterback is responsible for most of your offense. That's the system we're in, and he's not doing anything. He's killing you. You're losing games because of QB1, and it's Tyler Shuck's fault. I think Kitley makes mistakes in games, but it's hard to be mad at Kitley for letting, you know, Brooks get the carries we've been asking to do to target the tight ends, to try to open the playbook up and help out your team with better calls. I thought Kitley's improved dramatically in certain, uh, certain um, ways over the last couple of weeks. Granted, I'd love, I think I and everybody would love to see less of the screen game. And, uh, 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 I think all of us would like to see less of the screen game, I should say. And I think all of us would like to see the Titans even more involved than they are. But, you know, the, 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 it's an improvement. I think that the, the team is improving in how the target distribution is working uh, uh, and how, how we're getting people involved and where we're targeting them on the field. But, you know, it, it is something that Joey McGuire is already having to explain why people are booing Tyler Shuck and, you know, making up. Bull- I mean, Joey just outright lied to ESPN. I mean, he knew it and everybody does. Can't blame him for that. But. It is a bit unacceptable to me that the staff is looking at this performance and saying, ah, you know, we we had a kid come in who was largely effective despite being very rusty. Morton was 8 for 13 for 72 and two touchdowns. The pick being a miscommunication. But the thing that Morton does that Chuck doesn't do is just everything looks better. He just is. We're going to talk a lot about the quarterback spot, but until they sort it out, it's impossible to say that this offense is clicking because it's not. You didn't score in the third in the second quarter of this game other than a field goal. Right. Like you, you, this was not a very good offensive performance against a team that could not really run with you defensively. So I, I, I maybe it's a bit harsh, but C minus for me. But shout out to the running backs. They were they were incredible uh, in this football game. Did a great job. just basically, especially Taj Brooks, just running at will. And, you know, it's it's also something I want to say that the offensive line didn't play super well. You had three sacks in this game. And again, a couple of those, I believe, came from quarterback holding the ball too damn long. But, you know, the the big improvement, I think, was the procedural penalties. I don't believe Tech had a penalty until the 452 mark of this game. So it was something to get that cleaned up. But still, you, you have issues on the offensive side of the ball. And a lot of the question marks are with your quarterback. And that's hard to explain. Now, we're going to stay away from the quarterback briefly. We'll come back to it in a minute. Let's talk about some of the things we did see in this game that we liked on, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we, we've talked a bit in detail, but let's break it down a bit further and look at it from the perspective of what seems to be working for this offense. What do they need to build off of? Joe, I'll let you run with this one first. Well, it's just like I um, sent out an a early tweet when I was out there. Uh, took a picture of Taj Brooks and just said, hey, get this man the ball. Let him make a play. Let him go to work. Let him eat. And that's essentially what happened. So I I believe in, and wholeheartedly believe moving forward. And I know I'm not the only one. But, you know, we have to establish the run. We have to be dominant up front. We have, we have the guys. We have the skill set up front. 
and we have the running backs to, you know, go ahead and make those plays behind them. But it all starts with Taj Brooks. Once we get him established in that, then that starts opening some things up as far as play calling wise. Now the defense, they can't put people in the box. They, they're going to have to, you know, put some DBs back there for the three, four, five wides, you know, different um, things we throw out there. And, you know, ultimately that's what helps us, you know, move the ball. You can't, if we can't establish a run, they're just, they're going to pin their ears back and come after us because they know how Shuck is whenever it comes to passing. I mean, the tape's out there. It doesn't lie. He's not comfortable. But once again, just to your point, we all stay out for the quarterback for a little bit. Um, but as far as running the ball, we have to get that running, that running game established early. We have to get the ball in our playmakers hands, set the tone essentially, and just go out there and let people know that we're, we're going to hit them in the mouth. I like some of the wide receivers and the Nehemiah Martinez, you know, kind of using him in multiple ways. Um, also, you know, as far as the running back, I think that was more or less a forced hand because of the Valdez injury, but I do like the different gadgets that they use him. He's a tough guy to bring down in open space. He's a smaller guy, but he's just built like a tank. So, you know, the, you start getting him involved, you start moving him around, then they have to start accounting for, for him and where he's at on the field, thus opening up more throwing lanes for Shuck or Morton, whoever happens to be in the game at the time. And, you know, it's just going to help our offense move forward. Now, does all of that come to fruition? We'll see. That's to be determined right now. But I believe everything starts and ends um, with our running game as far as setting the tone with our offense. I know Shuck's ability and things like that, which, like I said, we'll get into here shortly, um, his mishaps and things like that. But I think running the ball first, it just kind of sets the tone for this offense and kind of opens up our playbook. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's 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 the simplest, you know, kind of thinking in football, but it is the that way for a reason. Your ability to run the ball opens up so much what you want to do offensively. Kitley really likes this kind of uh, RPO scheme. It's similar in a way to how Lincoln Riley approaches the RPO scheme. Um, it's it's the power RPO where you want to give your quarterback some uh, some multiple options moving outside the pocket. Uh, you, you see Tech doing it quite often. Um, and, you know, more or less, most of the time, most of the time, we're electing to throw the ball. But the, one of the reasons why that those plays haven't really clicked as well as you might like is because nobody's been afraid that we're actually going to hand it off. Nobody's been afraid that we're actually going to try to establish the run. And I think, you know, when you have a game like Tarleton State where you just put your head down and run the ball, it does open it up. It opens up your play-action game. It opens up – it takes pressure off of your passing game because it forces teams to respect what you're going to do in the box, which puts less coverage in the back end, which opens everything up. The other thing I liked in this game, and the thing that I think this offense needs to continue to do, is I've really been impressed by Jordan Brown. And I want to—I—I I, I think he had one really long reception at the touchdown. But Jordan Brown is a guy I don't think anybody really had on their radar as kind of being, you know, a a a, a big part of your your passing attack. But he, you know, he had a great game against Tarleton. He just kind of came out of nowhere um, and and really did a great job. And ha- has in the two games he's seen touches, he's been over 50 yards, right? And it's 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 a good sign that a guy like that is kind of coming along. He's got good size, lit, not quite as tall as some of your outside receivers, but he's just doing a good job of getting open. And I think that really helps you out. You know, it's a guy that. I didn't have on my my bingo card as being you know a leading receiver in any football game, uh, uh, and that 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 though will pay dividends because right now I think there's just a tremendous amount of attention paid to Jaron Bradley and Miles Price, and you just need to find ways to get other guys the ball to open up what you want to do with them. So I wanted to give a shout out to him as well as being a part of your offense. That I I think as to sum up that. Let's just say we've got to get other guys involved. I think Sparkman saw one of his first targets of the year on a screen. I'd love to see him get involved more. Fungi, um, I believe uh, uh, Fungi has not really made much of an impact this year either. He's another guy you really got to get involved. There's uh, um, the receiver that they just said was cleared today. Um, oh, shoot, I'm blanking on the name. I Coy, had it a minute. Coy Eakin. Coy Eakin. He was a guy that out of camp almost challenged for the starting job, just nearly challenged for the starting job until his injury kind of threw him off course. You know, he's a guy, now that you've got him back, you hope to use him to try to open things up. The more we can get these guys involved, the more we can start trying to develop true outside threats. But we can't talk about the receivers without talking about the guy throwing the ball. So now we're going to get into the meat of this quarterback conversation the passing attack is anemic right now. I mean, it just, it really is. And at times during games, you're completely incapable of moving the ball through the air. Joe, is it time to admit that it, whatever the issue is with Tyler Shuck, it's time to give Baron Morton the ball? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that 
Morton or what Shuck has put out on tape the last three games is isn't good. It it isn't. There's some some light. There's some sprinkling of some good stuff in there, but overall, it's all bad tape. And and I I'm not doing this as a knock on Tyler or whatnot. We've all said it, and I've heard it be said around. You know, these are plays that somebody with his amount of experience and the amount of meaningful football games that he's played in his career thus far, you don't need to be making, you know, staring down receivers, having happy feet back there, going through your progression slow, and then just, you know, missing open guys and then just, you know, bailing on the pass play completely and then just tucking it and running. It's just, if you're going to make some noise in the big 12, Obviously, you have you have to have good quarterback play. It's it's a down year. Nobody looks like they're really world beaters out there. Like oh, you know, whatever. You know, it it looks opened up. But you have to have that quarterback position solidified. And I don't think three games into it, me personally, and I would say I would say a vast majority of Red Raider Nation doesn't feel that that well going into. Big 12 play with Shuck under center. I mean, I hate to say it, but it just, it's, it's, these are facts. These are just the facts. I think, I think Morton needs a shot. I think this team, just to see what this team does and operates, you know, when he came in the other night, you know, obviously the crowd cheered and roared and things like that. Um, and I know that, like I said, as a fan base, this is just all something we want to see because this is, you know, technically the, the future. This is this is next year moving on. You know, this is what we want to see. This is and he has just, you know, he just has more zip on the ball when the ball comes out of his hand. And nobody was saying that Shuck had a stronger arm than Morton to begin with, but it just comes out stronger like you could tight spirals. And it gets from A to B in a heartbeat. What's the thing that we we harped on? Not you know taking more shots downfield. What do we ha- what do we what does Morton do? Starts taking shots downfield, making defenders have to defend our size on the outside. That's a tough ask for anybody. We got a lot of those penalties called for PIs. You know, it's just because it's a matchup nightmare. But if we don't take those opportunities to try to stretch the field we're just you know leaving yards out there to be had we're making their defense you know we're we're essentially letting them off the hook by not having to worry about a deep ball i think shuck needs to to be number two right now he would probably be the best number two that quarterback in the big 12 but i think more it's time to let morton you know lead this offense and just see what this offense could do differently Um, with him going through his progressions a whole lot faster, him throwing the ball a whole lot harder, you know, he, his willingness to go, go deep, you know, it's just, I think Morton overall is a better quarterback. Obviously he doesn't have quite the experience as Shuck does, but I mean, there's no better way to learn than by just being thrown out there. And we've seen more shades of good, Morton as opposed to bad Morton and then vice versa you know we've seen more bad Shuck than good Shuck 
So I think it's just time, you know, this is, this is obviously the, as I said, you know, this is your future. This is who, who do you like, if you're putting Micah Hudson in this, in this offense right now, who would you rather him be the, the ball being coming from which hand Tyler Shuck or Baron Morton? I would, I would think that a majority of us are saying Baron Morton, you know, I, our receivers sometimes aren't helping shuck out in the quarterback by not getting open, but there's also times where our offensive line's doing great, the wide receivers are open, and he bails. We got to give our guys a chance to make a play, and Shuck is not doing that. But Barron seems to have done that, and like I said, I'm just a grain of salt because, I mean, he got a, a handful of snaps against the FCS team. He is not, you know, our saving grace, but I think there's enough bad tape of Shuck out there to to get Morton on the field to show what he could do in Kitley's offense. The thing about a young quarterback like Morton, and that's the thing, we do forget that Baron Morton is still a very young quarterback without a lot of experience. You know, he did get some starting action last season, but he is still, you know, not... Tyler Shuck's been playing college football a very long time, I had a conversation with the Oregon folks during the lead up to that game about whether or not the injuries to Shuck have just completely shot his development. You know, if he had stayed healthy, could he have developed some of the tools that we uh, we we would have liked to see from him at this point in his career? But that's the thing, right? Like why I mentioned this is because Shuck looks like the kind of quarterback Baron Morton should be. He looks inexperienced. He looks uncertain. He looks he looks scared out there a lot of the time, and that is just not acceptable from a guy that you're counting on to to kind of lead you into this this very challenging Big 12 slate. You know, this is just a tough this is a tough conference. Yes, some of the teams haven't looked as good as maybe we would thought they were going to be and the conference is obviously having a down year, but the reality is it's still top to bottom a challenging conference to work through and you do have to play Texas and Austin. Are we really saying that you know the guy who's going to lead us to this slate is Tyler Shuck when you know Baron Morton has the better arm and if both of them look like young inexperienced quarterbacks, why are we not going to the guy who has more potential? Because Shuck's not going to get any better is, I think, the problem. We haven't seen any development in Tyler Shuck's game since he got to Texas Tech. This is the same crap he did last year, same crap he did the year before that, before he got hurt. And, yes, I understand those injuries have set him off, but we play big boy football at this level. You can't just keep giving him the job, right? There's no more argument in favor of it. The only argument he had was, oh, he seemed to always win. Okay, he beat a bad slate of teams last year. He lost to Wyoming in game one, lost to Oregon in game two. And in both of those games, he played a large part in why you lost. So he's no longer just the winner. And then against Tarleton State, I, we talked about his numbers at the top. He had a 16 QBR. And, okay, you don't like QBR stats. That's fair. It can be a flawed stat. Let's just look at the raw data here. 10 for 20, 123 in a TD. Guys, he was averaging just – I mean, like, I, I – that he looked like the quarterback that we saw against Wyoming, right? Like completely ineffective, just unbelievably unable to impact the game in a positive way. And you're talking about a guy who's only attempting 6.2 yards per attempt. He's not able to push the ball downfield. He can't get your, he can't put the ball. You talked about it a lot. And I think it's the best way to say this. He doesn't give your team a chance to win. He just doesn't put your players in positions to make plays. And I'm not ready to say Baron Morton's just for sure going to be able to do it. 
he's had very limited action against an FCS team where he was clearly better. But you can absolutely feel that this team is far more confident when he's on the field. And that should tell everybody something. It should tell this staff that the senior leader it does not have the locker room. Chuck does not have the locker room. The guys know what he can't do. The receivers are tired of balls thrown at their feet or way the hell out of bounds or way over their heads or anywhere but where they can make a play. Baron Morton gave Miles Price a chance to make a play. He made it. You know, Baron Morton gave his guys chances to make plays and, he, and they made them. There's touch on the ball. Yeah, he's going to make mistakes. The thing with Fungi is absolutely the result of 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 a young quarterback not communicating as well as you would want. But I'm tired of hearing, well, Shuck just gets this offense because what he's gotten this offense to is a passing attack that can't get off the ground. It is beyond time to go to Baron Morton. It's unacceptable that the staff is sticking with Shuck. And if he comes out in Morgantown and plays like he has all year, which by all indication he's going to do, we're three games into this, Right? Like we're not, I'm not expecting to be shocked in Morgantown. He's going to come out, he's going to have some great plays, and then he's going to do some maddeningly dumb stuff with the ball that will cost you the game. That is what he has shown he is capable of. That's all he's shown he's capable of. And I would absolutely love for him to come out in Morgantown and actually shock me, play a, a complete football game. Nobody wants to replace the quarterback because we just want to. Shuck is a great kid, been a gamer, battled a lot of adversity, but we play to win. We don't play to have to make Tyler Shuck feel better. And I don't I, I go back to this, but I don't mean to I I get bothered when your quarterback's playing badly and then bitching about the fan reaction on Twitter. Shut the hell up. You're not playing well enough to be complaining about the fact that the fans are tired of losing. That bothers me to no end. I absolutely believe there is a line in how fans should act on Twitter. And I absolutely believe some of them crossed it. But at the end of the day, being upset about your starting quarterback's position is your right. And he shouldn't be listening to it to the degree he's responding online. Because you know where he should be responding is on the field. And he had a chance against Tarleton State to shut everybody up. And he in fact, did the opposite. He made the case for his starting job basically non-existent. It should be Baron Morton's offense. It has to be soon. If Tyler Shuck comes out and plays a quarter of football like he has all year, you've got to bench him. That leash has to be outrageously short. And the problem with that is, is because we're not giving the offense to Morton during this offseason, he's not, or during this off week, he's not going to get the reps he needs to get ready to be. So he's going to come in rusty when he inevitably plays. So I don't know what the staff's doing. I don't know what they're seeing. I think Joey is just trying to protect his guy. But there's sticking with the guy who you like, and then they're sticking with the guy who can do the best. And I'm tired of hearing that Tyler Shuck probably practices better than Baron Morton because Tyler Shuck isn't playing better in games. And that's what we should care about. And I love the kid to death as a person. So if he comes out in Morgantown and throws for 300 and plays fantastic football, that's what we all want. You know, I don't think anybody's rooting for Bar Joey said it would always love a kid. They love their own. That's nobody cares about that with Baron Morton. They want the best quarterback to play. If that's Shuck, he's got to prove it in Morgantown. He's got one more chance to prove it. You cannot lose this game in West against West Virginia, or your season is actually over. Your goals will disappear in an instant if you lose that game. So you have got to play the best quarterback. And at this point, I don't see an argument for why that's Tyler Shuck. And if he's going to make one, he's got to stop doing it on Twitter and he's got to start doing it on the field because I'm tired. I'm tired of the passing attack, the heart and soul of this offense going nowhere. 
ESPN's announcing crew spent a long time against Starlington State talking about how the defense is now the leader of this team. And as far as I can tell, they're absolutely right. And the big reason why, there's just no passing game to carry this team. Now, let's talk about the defense. There's been a lot to like about the defensive unit overall. As I mentioned just a second ago, you know, it, it's noticeable how much better the defense has looked as, you know, uh, uh, Tim DeRuiter has been here as we brought in more talent. But there are issues with depth now that's a serious concern, and there are issues regarding the pass rush. Joe, if you're Tim DeRuiter, how are you approaching this to try to spark something on the defensive end to get these pass rushers more involved and to help balance the lack of depth in this group now after the injuries? I think it's already started to happen, actually. You know, just as I spoke to it early on when we were talking about the defense, you know, by throwing a bunch of young guys in there, you know, there's no other better way to to get to get game a game filled than throwing a young guy into a game where you could just learn, you could just be in that, you know, everybody always talks about, you know, game speed, you know, practice speed is one thing, but when you're in the game, the game speed is just a hundred times different, you know? So I think it has already kind of started, you know, there's, there's guys out there, true freshmen, redshirt freshmen that got a lot of playing times on every single level. And it's, that's going to be asked a, asked a lot on, you know, that's just, these guys are going to be called on early. Some of them have, you know, I don't potentially they'll be redshirted once we get some of these other guys back, things like that. I, for, for me in this, and from my standpoint and from Deruder's standpoint, you know, that's that next man up. That isn't that like the biggest mantra that everybody has next man up. Somebody gets hurt. What do you got to do next man up? Let's, let's go. And it, it seems like obviously depth issue is, is a concern, I guess, is the point is being is how we don't have a whole lot of, of guys with minutes back there, but we have guys that can make plays. You know, if I go back to the, back to the statistics of the game on the defensive side, let's just start talking about some of these, these younger guys that got on the field, Ty Kana, red shirt, freshman, linebacker has speed sideline to sideline he actually had more total tackles than Josiah and we know what Josiah brings to the table you have Miles Cole he's a veteran guy but he started making plays there Uh, Brendan Jordan Jalen Peoples Miguel Dingle Dylan Spencer Cameron Watts Chapman Lewis Trevon McAlpine you know these guys all contributed in some way against Tarleton State. You know, when these guys are hungry, these guys are like, exactly, give me the opportunity. Let me go out there and shine. And I think that's just going to help this team moving forward. I think, you know, obviously it sucks because you would like to have, you'd like to have the depth of that defensive front shirt up going into um, Big 12 play. Uh, you know, you could obviously our injuries there in the linebacking core are well documented. And I believe we lost another one um, with a knee injury. Um, I don't remember that kid's name for the life of me, but it, he um, he had seen a lot of playing time there in, um, in Wyoming when um, Jacob Rodriguez went down. Um, he blew out his knee against Tarleton State, so he is done for the year. So we're just going to have to start calling on some of these guys to step up. Ben Roberts has done a phenomenal job in two games, another solid game, um, four, four total tackles, two assisted, two solos. 
Um, and he's been doing good. And then, like I said, Ty Kano got in there, made some plays as well. And then you had those younger guys. So I think that that, that, that part that DeRuiter is trying to, what he needs to do is getting some of this youth and some of this talent in the wings and wait on the field and just, you know, hoping that they make a play and we'll see what happens. But I mean, this is a game that by all accounts, we should win, you know, given this, the circumstances, but this is also another stepping stone to get some younger guys in there, um, some meaningful minutes to where, you know, we get them more prepared for those bigger games in the big 12. There's guy, I really want to give a shout out to miles Cole, by the way, you know, he, he makes the switch to kind of that outside linebacker edge position um, this year. He hadn't really been a big factor in many games to date. And you kind of expected that for him to slowly kind of find his way into being an impact player on that side of the ball in that position. And really, you know, this was the first game he kind of made a, kind of a name for himself. Um, you know, he had two two sacks in this game. It was his first game with multiple tackles at all. He hadn't had more than one in the previous two efforts. So this was a great sign to see him kind of starting to feel comfortable in that role. I think that's important for that group. Miles Cole's a vet, but he's playing a new position. So you want to see him continue to get comfortable and continue to impact the game. Um, you mentioned another name. Uh, uh, Brennan Jordan, another great young player. Uh, he He's just, you know, uh, um, settling into the role. Ben Roberts, another guy who's going to have to play big minutes, settling into his role. Um, I want to give a shout out also to Braylon Lux. He was a guy that I think in the camp, nobody, until he really started to show up, nobody was really talking about. And then the staff just couldn't stop raving about what he was doing. And he's really making an impact. And I think, you know, you've got guys in this group on, in the defense at large that is going to be facing a lot of adversity. You know, CJ Baskerville needs to play well. You know, Josiah Pierre uh, uh, going down again, you know, you're getting a deer, a deer dairy back and that's going to help you significantly. But, you know, you're, you're thin. You're just thin. You know, getting Tyler Owens back, another win for this group. But it, it, you're thin, and you're going to have to ask a lot of guys to play a lot of minutes and make a lot of plays. And so far, they've been up to the challenge. It helps to be anchored by a guy like Jalen Hutchins and Tony Bradford, right? Those guys just can can. Like I said, they just anchor your defense so well. They allow you to, to take a deep breath about the interior defensive line. But you are asking a tremendous number of people to make a lot of plays. Brennan Jordan being a guy that you maybe wouldn't want to see quite as much time as he's seen. Ben Roberts, another guy. Maybe you couldn't wait, you're not quite ready to see quite as much from those guys. But they're doing great in their, in, in, in their kind of uh, their roles right now. And that's a big sign also for your future. You know, uh, um, that that's that's the future of your program in Brendan Jordan. You know, that, that that's a true that's a true freshman making plays. And then you've got uh, Ben Roberts, another young guy who's who's making plays for you right now. He's a guy I'm not certain he was expected to really see the field much at all, but he's really doing a great job and and solidifying your linebacker group that is very, very um, banged up right now. And we knew going into this season that your your linebackers were you know, obviously a question mark and obviously thin, and you've already suffered pretty, pretty severe injuries in that position group. So to see these young guys come in and fill in these roles is exciting both for now and for the future. And that's the thing. These guys are still raw. They're going to get better the more they play. And I really love to see them getting these minutes and performing at such a high level right now, because it's, it's just exciting. 
Now, we're going to close it out here because we're going to have more shows previewing West Virginia and all that going down the line. We are working on getting an interview with some experts on the Mountaineers to talk about how their season's going. But overall, I think the, the, the summation of the Tarleton State game was defensively, you did what you were supposed to. Offensively, we still got some question marks. We got a week to fix what's going on in the passing game. Tyler Shuck will be your starting quarterback. That has been confirmed both by the two deep and Joey McGuire's comments. So expect to see Tyler Shuck tote in the rock. We'll see what his leash looks like. We really, it could be quite short. It could be much longer than anybody wants, but wreck them guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back with more content all week. And to let us know if you'd like to hear something in particular, something you don't think we're touching on um, tomorrow will be the mailbag. That's going to be, We'll put up the question in the morning, let you guys answer it, get a recording up in the evening. So, you know, that's a great opportunity. If you want us to talk about some other sports, feel free to do so. Shoot us questions about soccer or about any anything in offseason. Maybe you're just curious about some of the recruiting on the baseball. And anything you, you've got questions about, we'll try to have the answers for. Or just let us know, like, hey, this is what I think about the quarterback situation. We'd love to hear from you guys. Like, subscribe, follow, whatever you do on whatever major platform. Enjoy the rest of your week. Rack them.